Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Cricket Podcast. I think it was a disgraceful performance and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Podcast. Today we have a special guest joining us for the show. He's recently represented Joburg Super Kings in South Africa 20. He's lifted the 100 trophy for Southern Brave and he's taken a wicket for England, bowling his left arm slingshots. It's Sussex all-rounder George Garton. How are you doing? Very good, thanks Ross. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Um, I think it's important we get something out of the way first, George. Um, we did used to play each other for our sort of thing, uh, play well, on the same team for three bridges. Um, we did, yeah. I looked up the scorecard from a couple of the games okay. and there's one game where I was looking at it and it reminded me we were, we were playing at Cookfield and um, in the notice that I got... I got run out. So this shows you how good I am at cricket. I got run out attempting a five. I'm not sure that's ever. Okay. Well, what, 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 <laughs> what was happening there? Well, to be fair, at Cookfield, there is a tree, isn't there, in the middle of the pitch. So maybe the ball went round there and you, I don't know what you were doing. Yeah, highly minded. Yeah, got out, run out for yeah. a five. But there fair we go. Enough. That's Yeah, that's the extent of it. Um, George, you're obviously back um, fit and firing now. Um we, I want to go down the IPL route first. So quite a lot of our listeners um, have sent some questions in um, and they are big India fans and we want to sure. play to the biggest cricket market, right? We're completely... No, absolutely, we're, why we're, not? Yeah, we're big capitalists, right? So we might as well take advantage <laughs> of it. Um, so, Jack, do you, want to, do you want to start off with some IPL questions? Well, yeah, I mean, as you say, Ross, um, IPL's around the corner. I, I think um, we, had, we had a big debate on on our Patreon Discord that we that we run this week. And it was about you know, the biggest franchise in the world or which was the biggest franchise in the world. And, and we came to the conclusion that it might have been RCB. You are an ex-RCB alumni. Uh, so we thought we'd ask you straight <laughs> off the bat, what was it like joining uh, the cricket's version of uh, Manchester United? Uh, how did it feel playing with Coley? What's the Villiers like in, uh, in the changing rooms? 
So that's not one question. We'll start with that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that's how we do interviews, by the way. We, we ask I like 10 it, yeah, just rapid fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, literally just go 10 and then go, then we just don't do anything. Perfect. Um, well, yeah, it, it was my first ever franchise gig. So to be chucked kind of straight in the deep end um, and go into, as you said, one of the biggest teams in the world of any sport, um, I didn't realise until... I think they followed me on social media, actually, how powerful their their fan base is. And I was told by one of their uh, media people that I think they're the seventh biggest franchise in the world of any sport um, online. Wow. And that includes football, NFL, basketball, everything. So you're dealing with an incredibly large and incredibly passionate fan base, um, which definitely has a huge positive when you're playing well, um, I found out after playing badly one game that <laughs> it can be a little bit of a negative. Um, <laughs> but no, I I, I love my experience there. Um, it was a different one because of COVID. We were in um, Dubai, so I didn't mm. quite get the full kind of Indian atmosphere in the games, um, which looked incredible, I think. Uh, and that's something that kind of AB and Virat and other people touched on was the home advantage that they have when they play at their home games. Um, And that's where they really said that the support comes into its own and everyone there is just rooting for RCB and especially AB and Virat and and those guys. Um, So it was a little bit different in Dubai, um, but I kind of got to experience, it feels a little bit like you're a footballer because everything's looked after, like you just focus on the cricket and everything outside of cricket is taken care of. kind of taken back a little bit from when I flew to Dubai, I landed and I got taken off the plane first. I didn't even go and get my bags. They were already off the plane. And then I just got into a car and I was like, oh, do I not need to get my bags? And they said, oh, no, no, your bags are already in that's, the car. That's, that's um, a security risk. I've, I've, I've left <laughs> bags untended. Yeah. Yeah, my bags were left unattended. Um, but no, just like, and it's not something you expect, but those little touches mean a, a massive deal when you've been flying for 10 hours or whatever it is mm. to then have little bits like that. You go, well, blimey, they're really thinking about me. And I was a replacement for another player, but you turn up to the hotel and they've got a big team mural on the wall and my face is there. And it's not because I'm a late addition. I'm not on there. They've put everybody in just really small attention to detail. That actually means a lot to a player. Mm especially someone that, who's his first experience and doesn't quite know what's going to happen. Um, what, was so it, what, was really... what was it like? Was it like, so you had like linseed oil next to the bed, you know, like back, <laughs> back tape kind of in the wardrobe? Yeah, not, not quite much that much kit, but <laughs> you joke, there were, because it was a bubble, we did have our own hairdresser. Um, that, was, that was quite funny. A uh, few guys rocking some interesting lids. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the first thing I noticed. And then how bloody hot Dubai was. Because um, <laughs> we were there October time and it was about 47 degrees. Um, yeah, so it's really, that, it's really think, where you can literally, it's like you're drinking the air, isn't it? When you're there. It's that humid. Yeah, I, it, like... I remember opening the balcony door thinking, oh, that looks nice. And then my whole room just fogging up instantly. Um, <laughs> and then quickly shutting in, realising that the next day I had to play a game, which was a day game, and thinking, cool, I'm going to need a lot of sun cream. <laughs> yeah. And what was, the, what was the process for, like, 
being picked up as you said it was covid year it was kind of a split tournament i think wasn't it and um sure. you know it wasn't it wasn't the traditional you know big auction your names up yeah no i wasn't i wasn't it. sat there at the draft kind of yeah cheering was... and celebrating with a beer <laughs> or whatever um what was the what was the vibe did you was it like just you got a phone call from your agent one day and it was like rcb want to talk yeah pr- almost missed that step too but um it was while the hundred was going on um which kind of shows the impact the hundred has is that the IP t- ipl teams are looking at it and paying attention to it um and i just remember getting a a whatsapp from mike hessen who's the kind of director of cricket at RCB. Um, and he was head coach that year too. And it said, hi, George, it's Mike Hess and we'd love to have a chat. Please can you give me a ring? So it almost skipped the agent part and I just <laughs> phoned him up and he asked if I would be keen to play. And I <laughs> I kind of said, well, yeah, that's a bit of a silly question. Obviously, I'd love to play. <laughs> um, and then that's where the kind of the agent gets involved and we spoke about the kind of in, ins and outs of when I was going to fly because Sussex were making finals day that I went out a little bit later and missed a couple games. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of how it started was he just messaged me and I gave him a ring. Simple as that. Yeah. Maybe text him now and just be like, look, I <laughs> heard, you, heard you got some injuries, but fancy, uh, fancy me coming back. Yeah. Got a bash out. I, I, I do know a few people that probably do that, but I'm definitely not one of them. Um, but to touch on your point about uh, Virat and, and AB and, and the, the other guys in the dressing room, um, I think especially Virat was impressive because I didn't quite realise how much stuff he does outside of cricket that he's made to do because he was India captain and he was RCB captain. And he is one of the most incredible human beings I've met that can switch himself off from all of that and just be Virat Kohli, the human being, mm-hmm. um, who is very different to the guy you see on the pitch who's running around like a madman because we've got a wicket and shouting and screaming and incredibly desperate to win off the pitch. He's very um, reserved. He cares a lot about people and would go out of his way to have a chat to make sure you're okay, talk about things. Um, and it didn't matter whether you were Glenn Maxwell or the guy they picked, the local lad they picked as an emerging player for 20, 20 lakh, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a difference that I didn't see all of the the local lads do. There seems to be a bit of a separation between the playing 11 and then the, the guys not playing. Yeah. Um, but you could see that Virat really made an effort to make everybody feel included. Um, it's quite interesting at that point, George, because the, the RCB, like, Typically, they go right. We're going to spend all of our money on some like a few superstars, and then we'll pack it out with quite a few like cheaper domestic players. And so you're yeah. saying actually, RCB and and Cody were going out of their way to actually have that to to, to avoid having that separation is quite an interesting piece that people actually might not have picked up on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and especially I found it from Virat because he was still captain. That whenever there was a team meeting or a team bonding exercise, whatever it was, he made sure he mucked right in and he got all the, the younger lads involved. Um, and I know from previous teams, it can be quite easy for the senior players to sit off a little bit and know that they're happy and comfortable. Mm. Um, but yeah, everyone, it was a real proper team. I felt like um, everyone mucked in, everyone got stuck in. Um, and especially with Virat kind of 
learning about his life and his family life and things that you don't really understand without having face-to-face contact with a with a bloke and asking him about growing up and how he deals with the pressures and everything like that um was fascinating and he genuinely an incredible human being for putting up with or being able to cope with all the pressures that come with being basically India's biggest superstar of cricket. Yeah. Um, and that, and that must be quite surreal for you, right? You would have been what, 23, 22, 23? Yeah, 20, 23, I think. Yeah. And like, to have someone like that, just like you're, you're meeting like Messi, right? If you're a footballer, yeah. you're, literally, you're literally walking in just being Pretty like, much, yeah. oh yeah, just like, you're just having a chat and just being like, yeah, so um, yeah, what, what do you do is uh, when you're looking after your cricket bats, do you, do you store them yeah. inside for the winter or what do you do? No, that is a bloke with a lot of cricket bats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like the the occasional time you saw his room open, because um, he's he's quite introverted off the pitch. He he very much likes his own space, um, which is very understandable because he's in the public eye a lot. Um, but the occasions his door was open, there were a lot of cricket bats in there, um, and he said that like companies want to give him cricket bats because they want him to try their bats out, which mm. I think is quite a nice place to be when you basically get given bats from people that don't even sponsor you. well well, it sounds sounds fantastic right and as you said it's a bit disappointing that you well i say you only got to play in the ipl in the uae it's still you played in the biggest competition in the world right so many eyeballs especially on those games that you were playing in like how do you do how do you go out and think right i've got to go and perform and i've got literally like tens of millions of people watching me and following me here yes i i Genuinely, have never thought of it like that. Um, okay. That's because... probably why you made it as a professional cricketer, and we get worried <laughs> when we play at London Fields. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, who's the bloke with his dog? Staring at <laughs> yeah. him? Have I not put my pads on the right way around? Or what? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah it's a good question. I don't, I don't think it's something you can think about um, mm. because no matter who you're playing for, you're trying to give you hundred percent, and you know that if you do well and the team does well the fans will be happy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd never really thought about it. Like you obviously understand who you're representing and the, the kind of the scale of it, but not really that pressure from, well, I guess they have almost a hundred million fans. Um, yeah. I, I'd, I'd not really thought about it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't mean to ruin it, right? I don't want to be the no, person. Of course. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, so what was the point when you got. dark room and just <laughs> rock backwards and forwards. What was the point when uh, you realised you think you got the yips and just like no this this guy this guy I used to play cricket with like said this thing I just can't get it out of my head. Um, yeah. Well, let's bring about to something a little bit less serious. Um, just how big is Carl Jameson? Because uh... that's a fair question. He is a very big human being, <laughs> um, which uh, Glenn Maxwell nicknamed him Pencil from one of the first days because um, he just said he looked like a big pencil, <laughs> very easy. Australian, just yeah, 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 like a pencil, so I'll call you pencil. Um, Damn, yeah. but he, he, he's a lovely, typical Kiwi, but he's mm. a very big human being. Yeah, yeah. And, and like behind the scenes stuff. So, how do they keep all you guys interested, right? Because you're in the bubble. You're in what? Sure. I'm, I'm assuming a pretty flashy hotel. But ultimately, you get you get bored, right? It's really you kind of you're not in prison. You're in a very nice prison, kind of thing. But it's like yeah, yeah, ha- ha- true. Yeah, how how did you how did they keep you sane around it? What what was the things that you guys were doing around it? Yeah, so that it was a whole new thing, the bubble kind of life, and it genuinely was horrendous. Yeah. Um, 
you felt like you were in a prison, just a very nice one. Um, but I have to admit, in, you're in Dubai, the weather's lovely. We were on a golf course that we could play whenever we wanted. Um, and they, we had our own private pool. We had um, a team room, which was incredible. Um, you had F1 simulators, table tennis tables, massage chairs, uh, movie room, table tennis table, basically anything you could think of. Mm. Um, and they'd really gone out their way to make it feel like home. Um, yeah. And they explained that they do it for their kind of base when they play in, in India too for the IPL. Um, cause obviously they travel, but we were stuck in the same hotel for three weeks. Um, yeah. but yeah, it didn't, they certainly didn't feel too bad. Um, and they, they did a very good job at kind of making it feel as happy as possible. Was it, was there any kind of like competitiveness? Was there any kind of the jokers of the pack doing like pranks around the hotel? What, what, um, what, what were you thinking there? Or is, it, or is it, or is it in my head? I've got, I've kind of got a mixture of being at university versus yeah. a really professional sports environment and I can't quite <laughs> match it up in my head. Yeah, it's um it's similar. There's a lot of maybe just a bit less drinking. Um <laughs> but there was a lot of competitiveness with table tennis. Right. Um so you had especially a few of the coaches, um Virat, Maxi, um I remember um Siraj was very good. Um, Yuzi Chahal was quite good. So there was quite a competitive group of table tennis players yeah. um, and a lot of noise going on. And I didn't realise Indian people love karaoke. Um, okay. So they would often bring out the microphone um, and sing karaoke, which was interesting. I, I didn't hang around for long. but You didn't get up on stage? <laughs> no, well, there weren't any English songs, so I was struggling a little bit. Um but yeah, the lads loved it. They had just no inhibitions and really quiet guys that you wouldn't really think of. Um, just jumping straight in and just letting loose. Uh, I must say, it's always one of those things I find fascinating when you're watching the, the games in India, right? And you've got people going going absolutely crazy. They're dancing, everyone's cheering, etc. And you you don't see anyone with a beer in their hand. And I'm just like, you would never get that in England, right? You know, everyone would rather sit no. down quietly and just be like, yeah. well, well, I'll have a sandwich. Like they wouldn't be up doing anything else unless they were children, right? So the fact that you've got the guys going, give me that microphone. I need to sing Frank Sinatra. Is a yeah, <laughs> whatever the Bollywood version of that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're certainly passionate with their singing as much as their cricket. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, shifting gear a little, let's let's, uh, let's move continents. Let's go to Africa. Um, sure. So yeah, we we got to see each other in uh, in in Newlands. I think I'm not. I've never been more jealous of someone being able to say you've played at Newlands. Like it, it was just an incredible spectacle. Like it, yeah. It, so is Newlands your favourite uh, ground you play at or, or you've played at or is there is there one that tops it that we just, we're just not aware of? Um, I think it's the most beautiful ground mm. with the table there, table mountain and everything. Um, I usually prefer the, the grounds that I win at. So <laughs> um, <laughs> it's tricky. I think in England, Lords is the most prestigious place to play. Um but for a whole atmosphere and energy point of view, the Oval is the best ground yeah. um, to play at, especially when we played our semi-final in the 100 there two years ago. Um, remember finishing the game and thinking, call out bloody special. Um, 
But I think Newlands, actually, our home ground in um, Johannesburg was incredible. Um, yeah. I'd not been to the ball ring before the Wanderers. Um, so to step out there and call that our home ground with the support we got was, it was a yeah, bloody cool ground. Um, yeah. But I don't think there's one in particular that stands above the rest. No. I think I think Adelaide, the Adelaide Oval, has to be number one for me, though. Okay, fine. Uh, that, that's next on the list. Australia's next. That's next. Sure. Yeah, that's we'll next. stay in Africa for now. <laughs> <laughs> No, so when it when it comes to obviously you're playing in all these different franchises and you're going all around the world, what what is it kind of like? Because it's you're kind of treading the path that's not really been trod before, right? There's a few trailblazers uh, of kind of coming to it, but now you're truly a global cricketer. Like you, you've played in what what five of the franchise competitions? I think. Uh, yeah, hundred IPL, Surfer Twenty, Big Bash, T10. Uh, might be missing one, but yeah, that's five. Yeah, have you played the PSL yet? No, no, not yet. Okay, no, no that's that's the next one. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> so, so as you get as you're getting used to it, how are you preparing for this? Right, it's because it's not like you you've got. I'm guessing you've got the regiment from Sussex to kind of keep you fit and be the right. This is what you're doing, and they're they're kind of your your base. So they're, they're almost like your mum looking after you, making sure you're eating right and do whatever else. But then I'm guessing all these yeah. other places. How do you adapt to those kind of different cultures and different team environments? Or is everything kind of just like a bit of a, a white label and they're much of a muchness? Sure. No, it's very different depending on where you go, um, which is one of the great things of being able to experience it and travel the world. Um, but it's, it is something that you have to learn yourself. Um, I was lucky that a few of the first teams I played for um, a few of my mates played in like um, CJ, um, Salty, Tamal. Um, so especially with CJ, talking to him about... Because when you play franchise cricket, as you said, you're not with your mum. So you you haven't got someone telling you, oh, you need to do a gym session, you need to do a running session. Um, I think you should take today off. I think you should eat this or that or whatever it is. You're very much spending for yourself. Yeah, and, and famously, so, your mum is a personal trainer and nutritionist, as you just going to <laughs> That would be helpful, but she's not. Um, so, yeah, you, you, there were a lot of mistakes I made early on, just being naive and thinking, oh, bloody hell, this is brilliant. I don't have to do anything. Or, and I, I did injure myself, um, not really at a fault of my own, but because of circumstances um, and not quite being grown up enough um, mm-hmm. and accepting right everything's in my court i have to make time to go to the gym because you have a lot of spare time and you can just get caught up in putting golf balls in your bedroom or going for a coffee with someone and actually not utilizing that time um so yeah it's very individual it's what lads like to do some people find that stretching and yoga and that kind of stuff suits them best other people prefer doing a lot of gym um i think for for batters, it's a bit easier um, because there's not that strain on your body, especially in T20 cricket, whereas as a bowler or an all-rounder, when you're playing a few games in a row, you have to be careful of when to train, when to take rest, um, mm. which comes from experience. And I feel like I'm a lot better now than I certainly was a couple of years ago. We had um, Emma Gardner on the show, who was uh, one of the ECB's nutritionists. Um, on yeah, the... I know Emma. And... Um... She was, saying, she, was, she was saying that 
getting fast bowlers to eat was the real problem. Um, because it's like almost like the last thing you want to do when you come off the cricket pitch is going to go and sit and try and consume like two and a half thousand calories and <laughs> try and keep, try and keep your body. Yeah, yeah. Up. She's told me off a few times for not eating enough. Um, <laughs> but it, that's a uh, that was another thing I learned with Emma. Funnily enough, in Barbados, was I thought I ate really healthily and went through my diet, and she said, "Well," but I explained times where I felt tired or fatigued, and she said, "Well, you're just not eating enough." Um, and kind of to put that in perspective, for a T20 game, they if the game's at 6pm, they want you to eat breakfast, big breakfast, big lunch, mm. then potentially a small meal about, or you, you leave two hours before the game, so just before then, right. um, so maybe at three o'clock, then you're going to do whatever you're doing on the pitch. If you bat first, don't eat anything. If you're bowling, straight after bowling, you have a protein shake. Then you have food at the ground. Then you go back to the hotel and they want you to eat again and then have like a recovery protein check for bed. So you, your average boy, the, the, even farts me, in I, a, the farts in a cricket player's bedroom must be absolutely <laughs> horrendous. Yeah, the team bus isn't great. Um, <laughs> um, on the, you, you talked a little bit about moving between like uh, different franchises and stuff. You've got a bit of experience with, with England now. We're talking about the England nutritionist there. What, what, What's that like as an environment uh, and how was it for you stepping into that versus some of these different uh, places that you've played? Was it just sort of like a another job or did it feel special? Sure. I'm sure it did in some way. Or how did it feel special? Um, it definitely has that little extra feeling to it. Um, my dream growing up was to play for England um, and it still is. Um, so to be in the England dressing room is always going to feel a bit more special than playing for anybody else. Um, but I have to, that dressing room's probably the best one I've been in. Um, just for how safe it feels, how comfortable and how welcoming they are. Um, I'm certainly no big fish and I felt just as welcome and happy to speak in that dressing room as anybody else in there. Um, so I was incredibly grateful for my teammates and the coaches and, and everyone, sports staff, to, to make the, the dressing room feel like that. Yeah, good about, yeah, and you, you, yeah, go I was going to say, yeah, when you've got people like, yeah, what Ben Stokes, Josh Butler, or Owen Morgan, I'm guessing, who you, is, is who you played? Yeah, Morgan's captain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, yeah, to be a, be a, that's one of those things, right? When you tell your grandkids or whatever else, it's like, okay, so you, you talk about your England career, you'll be like, yeah, no, I played under, yeah, World Cup winning captain, kind of did all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I don't think people realise how big they actually are, right? At, at this point in time, they're almost not appreciated a little bit because they're always been in that public eye. So sure, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think especially with someone like Stokesy, he's just as big as both of them. But because people reminisce of the old days and think of, of Ian Botham, he gets maybe a bit more. He's a bit more spoken about than what Stokesy's doing at the moment. I think to be fair, Botham's stats are pretty ludicrous. But um, as like a an all rounder for England, same with Freddie. I think what Stokesy's doing is especially now he's captain, maybe potentially bigger than both of them. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years. Well, Top Gear presenter, if we have anything to go by. What <laughs> <laughs> if Freddie had a chip band as well, didn't he? He could do that. <laughs> uh, so, so, and playing for England, so yeah, huge, huge achievement. Um, obviously, Sussex has been your home for quite a while. Um, 
how's your fitness ahead of this season? And are we going to see you in the white ball stuff or are we going to see you rocking out in the county championship and seeing you play as, as much as possible? Sure, yeah, no, I want to play every game. Um, touch wood. Um, after the horrendous year I had last year because of the blood clot in my lungs, um, I'm fully fit. I've got a new desire to play. I, I guess a like re-energised thoughts of cricket. Um, having missed so much last year, I'm really desperate to play and do well this year. Um, so I've told the coaching staff, look, I want to play every game possible. Um They've been very good at managing workloads and understanding that probably can't play every game because we do play a lot of cricket. Um, but finding appropriate rest times and then also playing as much as possible. Mm. It's quite an exciting season ahead, or it looks like it's going to be quite an exciting season ahead for Sussex. Uh, what with Steve Smith coming over and Pajara again, uh, it caused you know a, a, a few rumblings on social media steve smith being picked up <laughs> uh, from, from people who thought he might be might be using it as a warm up for the ashes from your point of view though you know are you looking forward to playing with him and, and what do you think you'll get out of playing with sort of one of the modern greats there yeah of course i am um i think it's a bit silly when people say oh he's using it for prep well if he gets out four games in a row it's not good prep is it so like he's coming here He's going to put bums on seats, which is great for Sussex. He's going to spend time in a dressing room with a young team that we've got and being able for a young batter or bowler or whoever it is to be able to rub shoulders with one of the, the best players ever. Um, Stats-wise, you've got nothing to lose. Everything's to gain. The conversations you can have on the pitch, off the pitch, for young lads wanting to become leaders to learn how he deals with leadership and everything like that, that there's literally no negatives. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to bowling at him, learning how I can get better myself at bowling and batting. Um, and as I said previously with people like Virat and, and AB and other big name cricketers, you learn a lot more than just cricket when you're around them. You learn life skills. You learn how to be a better human being. You learn how to deal with pressure on and off the pitch. Um so it's not just the cricket skills you pick up, it's a lot of extra stuff on top of that. Yeah, And if you work out sort of anything from his technique that could help some of the England boys later in the summer, <laughs> are you gonna, have you got a plan to pass that on without him noticing? <laughs> or if he gives me little little snippets or whatever of what he's working on, then I, I feel like I wouldn't be an Englishman if I didn't relay that a little bit. But I think he's smart enough to keep his cards close to his chest when it comes to that. That's George's ticket into the Ashes squad. That's that's what it really is. It's just, just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Smith specialist, yeah. Exactly. Um, we are actually missing a third team member on the show. So we normally have a guy called Max on the show. Sure. Um, and he's coming back from holiday. Um, when we were saying that you're coming coming onto the show, we were just like, well, you, you bowl, what, 90 miles an hour you've been clocked at in a game? Yeah. Yeah, top three's yeah. 94, something like that. Yeah, well, that's that's, a, that's obscene, isn't it? Really, um, and Max was Max is quite a diminutive figure, probably about five foot two, um, and was giving it the big un, saying that he reckons he could he could survive an over from you in a cricket net. I, I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not convinced. I've just seen this question. Yeah. <laughs> so, I reckon it feels like this is something we should put to the test. So, if there if you are around in this in in the summer and there is a sure. is there, there is a free morning, I I think we should get Max get him. Padded up and get you get you get you to fire one and down at him. You, He's you always welcome to come to Hove if he wants to. Yeah, 
There, there yeah. you go. I said I think you'd appreciate that. Um, yeah. How do you reckon you oh, do, Jack? You how do you reckon you do? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. I might die. My how long? How long? Bad. If you ninety-four miles an hour, what have you got? About half a second to get to square leg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I haven't bowled that quick for a while, so it'd be a little bit slower, but. <laughs> Uh, but we're, uh, it kind of brings me on to the 100, so we've not got too many questions left. But um, I was reading a couple of articles around it and obviously following your career a little bit, you've, you've developed more than just having kind of the 90 mile an hour, like the, um, the rocket up your sleeve, right? Actually, you talk around quite openly around developing cutters, using the slower ball and with your slingy action, actually, it was really quite effective. Like you, you saw, how, well, Malinga is the greatest fast bowler to play in the IPL, right? So yeah. how... How is that development kind of going at the moment? And have you added those even more stuff to your, your repertoire for the head of this season? Sure, yeah. It, it's a good point because I think it, the, the, the quicker you bowl, the more flashy it looks and it's kind of the headline grabber. But realistically, the blokes are so good now that unless you bowl 105 miles an hour, which nobody does, they're going to whack you. Mm. And if you don't have uh, variations of pace or really good control it doesn't matter how fast you bowl they're they're going to whack it it obviously helps to be able to like crank it up a little bit but I certainly learned especially around the England dressing room I remember um, Johnny Bairstow told me one of the few on one of the first days I was asking him about his batting and whatnot and my bowling and how I can improve and that was one of the things he said he said when you make this step up it doesn't matter how fast you bowl like blokes like quick bowling mm -hmm. So you need to learn kind of how to get people out in different ways than just running in and trying to bowl as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that came a little bit for me through through injury. So I tore my side four times um, from twenty the end of 2017, 2018, kind of start of 2018. Mm. Um, and I'm only just kind of learned how to bowl really quick again. Um, yeah. My body subconsciously wouldn't do it because it, your body's quite clever at not doing something that's going to hurt itself. So it put a lot of barriers up for me to properly kind of unleash. Um, yeah. So I had a little, I guess, barrier up, mental barrier that stopped me pushing the, the higher speeds. Um, so I had to learn how how to bolt, how to kind of learn your craft of, right, well, I can't bowl 94 miles an hour at the moment. I can bowl 86 miles an hour. So I've got to be a lot more skillful and I've got to be a lot more accurate. So I guess you always try and look at positives when you get injured. That was a, a big positive for me. Was it I learned how to bowl and I learned my skill better um, yeah. than just relying on how to bowl fast. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I take a lot of pride in my variations. Um, I think it's a big part of my game, um, especially on wickets that, that suit it. And I think you're always learning new ones. Uh, I think the way people bowl and bat now, you have to keep adapting, keep learning. Um, batters have footage of everything. Um, so uh, unless you are Malinga, who was just freakishly good at a Yorker and a, a, a slower ball kind of cutter, mm. you have to keep evolving, keep working on new skills. And it, for, it's, for it's, a batters, it's a batter's game, is it, as well? It is, to be fair. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's what puts bums on seats, isn't it? People don't come to see... 60 versus 60 they want to see 180 <laughs> plays 180 and that's understandable um and i guess as an all-rounder it <laughs> i'd quite like to get a few runs as well 
don't want to come in on a minefield. Um, mm. But I think I have to admit with the, the rules that the 100 brought in, there's some really good rules that help the bowlers a little bit and put a little bit of favour back in the in the bowler's half. Um, mm. So I've really enjoyed bowling in the 100 for that reason. Um, and the tactics are a little bit different and a, a little bit more challenging for the batters. Um, because you've only got five balls, not six, you can't line somebody up for the last three balls of the over. Um, if you put under pressure in the first couple of balls as a as a batter, so if I bowl two dot balls in my set of five, mm-hmm. I know that they're heavily under pressure for the next three. Um, yeah. Also, the fact that you don't swap ends if there's a catch, that's, I think, a, it seems a very simple rule to me um, because otherwise the bowl is not rewarded. If yeah. you've got, and no offence, Ross, but if you've got you batting at one end and Tim David at the other <laughs> and I'm bowling it at you and you hit one up in the air and you guys cross, well, that's a huge negative for me. I'd, I'd rather you miss the ball than hit it straight up in the air. So it seems like a very obvious rule, but one that's, I think, helped a lot of bowlers already in the tournaments that it's been implied in. And the, the worst thing is, the way in which my ego works is that I've taken that as a compliment and saying that I'm better with Tim David. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, that, oh, not. That, is, <laughs> that is a good way to take it. On the 100, like, slightly more broadly, going into the third season now, it feels like it's, it's starting to establish itself. Among among the players, um, you, what's what's the vibe been? I suppose it's it's obviously it's sort of been slapped in there in August. Sure. How, how did it how did it sort of land with people? Um, I think everyone was a bit tentative to start with, um, especially the first year. Um, as all humans are, we're a bit unsure of the unknown, um, mm. and people were questioning whether we needed it. Um, why was it there? But I have to admit, as soon as it started, everyone loved it. Um, all the players were huge fans of it, especially, I guess it it's a little bit of a new lease of life. I guess when T20 was first brought in, people thought, well, this is crap. Well, we're playing 40 over cricket and 50 over cricket. Why do we need to make a shorter one? And then after a couple of years, well, and you look at it now after 21 years, it's the most talked about and most sought after for, for advertising rights and, and TV crews, the most kind of sought after um, version of the game. So the lads love it. I know everyone playing really enjoys it. Um, and and from a playing point of view, we want to see crowds and we want to see young kids come into the games. Um, and to have... I can mainly speak for Southern Brave, but to have so many young kids, boys and girls, turn up every game, it's always packed out. They they bought into the franchise incredibly well. It didn't take long for people to be buying a lot of green shirts, a lot of Southern Brave tops, hats, whatever yeah, bu- it was. Yeah, bu- bucket hats have come back in a big way. Uh, yeah, bucket hats are a sought after a commodity at the moment. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think in the first year. Teams had sold out all their merchandise within the first half of the tournament um, and because they, they didn't order enough, they didn't think they'd sell that much. Mm. So I think it's been a huge positive for, for everyone, really. And what's the, what's the relationship like with the women's team? So obviously you're all kind of under one banner, you're, you're playing sure. on the same day. How, how does that dynamic work? I think it works quite well. Um, obviously you're staying in the same hotels um, and have... You're the same um, 
home ground, especially at Southern Brave, because we're on the ground um, at the Aegeus Bowl. Um, you spend a lot of time kind of getting to know people and you have team barbecues, that kind of, the golf courses there, there was a lot of kind of the girls playing with the boys at golf mm-hmm. um, and a bit and a fair bit of mixing just because you're there. I mean, yeah. if you weren't there, you're not going to do it. But because everyone is in the same hotel, um, I think it worked quite well too because the coaches are the coaches know everybody, um, and our coaches really wanted to make that kind of bond quite strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's brought us success too because we genuinely enjoy watching them win, and they always stay behind and watch us hopefully win too. Yeah. Um, the first year we won the final and they lost it. The second year they were in the final again. Um, mm. So I think that relationship's very good. Love it. Um, when it comes to all of our questions, I think we're kind of run it run out now. I think we've got a couple from our Patreon. So um, so this one's from Sudeep, uh, and he asks around: What's the difference you've seen in the relationships um, across your worldwide franchises? So actually. Is Glenn Maxwell as good as mates with Virat Kohli as kind of the RCB social media might say? Sure. Is is, is George Gart who who is George Garton's best mate on the circuit? That's 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 what people really yeah. want to know. That's a good question. No one wants to be my mate. Um, I think I think yeah because because now teams are being bought and owned by the same um, owners. For example, CSK owns Joburg Super. Yeah, yeah. You've got a lot of kind of cross relations and you're bringing in people so that for example they signed Faf as their captain because they had a really good relationship with him at CSK mm. and there's that that bond there and the so to answer your question yeah I, th- I think there's not a lot of put on stuff that social media teams are trying to make some people look best mates um I think the way the cricketing world now is especially if you look at kind of uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders, their franchise had a lot of teams in all around the world mm-hmm. CPL, T10, IPL, and they would pick very similar teams. There would only be a couple of maybe local lads or one or two different overseas players, but there was a, a strong kind of core players that they picked everywhere they went, and so those relationships naturally build. Yeah, we still didn't answer who's your best mate though. I mean, the... my best. <laughs> I don't have a best mate. <laughs> it's an open application though. If anyone wants to be my best mate. Um, uh, well, from what we've heard, you, you're back in business. This season's going to be like almost it's your, your redemption arc, right? The, the lung sorted. Uh, you're feeling fit and firing. You're bowling fast again. You might take mine and Max's head off in the cricket net. Who knows? Um, but overall, yeah, no it seems, pressure then. Yes, it seems it seems like it seems like a good it seems like a good positive story for you, George. Hopefully so, yeah. Good. I mean, it's very cold and windy out there at the moment, um, and there's still a lot of cricket left in the summer, but it it does look positive. Good. Well, I might even get down to three bridges. Well, yeah, I'm sure that would be lovely for everybody. <laughs> um, well, thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, we really really appreciate it, and yeah, best of luck for the season. Um, and yeah, we'll hopefully uh, get you back on the pod um, uh, at some point in the uh, in the future. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Thanks, George. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.